I'm your host, Rob Carbone. This is BD. Sunday fun day. You know, I had to. I had to wear it. This team is so fucking fun to watch right now. (laughs) Like, I know this is what everybody's been saying, but really, if anybody were to tell you back in, you know, December before the season began, did you think the Knicks would be one game over 535 games into the season. You would have said no. I would have said no. He would have said no. The guy left of him would have said no. The guy right of him would have said no. The guy behind him would have said no. The guy in front of him, diagonal to him, everybody would have said no. Everybody would have laughed. (laughs) Yet here we are. We are 35 games into the season, and the New York Knicks, for the first time in eight years, are one game above 500, 35 games in. <laughs> crazy, man. Crazy. Really crazy. It's so crazy. There are yesterday's win. Okay, and as I am recording, it is a Sunday night, uh, February 28th. Wow. Um, But on the 27th, the first of the back-to-back, when we were hosting the Pacers. After that win, um, I think on 33rd and 8th in New York City, there were Knicks fans going fucking nuts in the streets. There was a video that was trending on Twitter. Knicks fans were going nuts. And you would have thought... It was, you know what it reminded me of? I'm a big Yankees fan. Obviously, I go to a lot of these Yankees playoff games. It reminded me of exactly what we do in the Bronx after the Yankees win a big playoff game. We go nuts in the street. And we just have a like basically like a fucking party in the streets of New York City. And that's 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 what it looked like yesterday when I saw the video. Uh, of Knicks fans just going buck wild. And guys, that's that's just for a 17 and 17 team at the time. 500. If we're doing that over a mediocre fucking as hell 500 record, just imagine what New York City would be if the Knicks became great and they kept taking these steps in the right direction. I mean, there's nothing like this New York Knicks fan base. Not just in basketball, but in sports. And people say this all the time. I say a lot of cliches, I get it. But the ones I say are really true. People always say it. They say New York City is at its greatest when the Knicks are good. When the Knicks are good, New York is wild. 
You could ask anybody from the 90s, they will tell you that. Anybody from the 70s when they won the championships, they will tell you that. So I am praying. I am praying that this maintains throughout the entire season and we can keep building off of this hot start. It's not even it's it's 35 games. We're halfway through just about. So it's not even a hot start anymore. Teams have to start respecting the Knicks. Guys, we're fourth in the Eastern Conference. We are fourth place in the Eastern Conference. It's fucking fun. We're having a great time. I've never had this much fun as a Knicks fan. Never. Not since I remember, which was 2013. But that was an old team full of vets. And this this looks promising. This looks really freaking promising. And if we can find a way, I hate to jump in advance here, but if we can find a way to maintain this success, I know we have a tough second half schedule, but if we can find a way to sneak into the playoffs, whether that be the fourth seed, the fucking 10th seed on the play-in game, I don't care. If we can find a way just to get in, this season's already a, a, a success. But that would be so... Oh, man. Could you imagine? And, you know, you're hoping if things keep going well in terms of coronavirus and everything that we'd have even more fans inside the Garden. We have 2,000 right now. But could you imagine if the Knicks end up making the playoffs? Please knock on wood. And we can get somewhat of a full crowd there. Somewhat, you know, close to that. Oh my gosh. The last playoff game I went to with the Knicks was in 2013. It was Knicks-Boston. Carmelo dropped 35. It was the most fun I've had at any sporting event ever. Rivaling. So I'll say rivaling the Yankees when they're in the playoffs. Because, you know, that's that's up there. Especially the old Yankee Stadium. So... That, but but I'm telling you, man, when the Knicks are good, I, it's, I've heard some really crazy things. And we're seeing some shit. And we're 500, and we had fans just going nuts. What's going on, everybody? <laughs> I am your host, RJ Carbone. And this is episode 217 of the podcast. Um, I hope everybody's doing well. Again, it is a Sunday night after the Knicks' latest victory over the Pistons as I speak. Uh, technically, it's March 1st because I'm doing this past midnight. But, you know, so as you're listening to this, it will be March 1st on a Monday as well. Um, the earliest. But yeah, I'll try to get this out as soon as I can. Um, yeah, it, it's looking really fun. Excuse me. Um, yeah, I hope everybody's doing well. And welcome to the podcast. If you're new here, uh, my name is RJ Carbone. Um, this is BD4, just a podcast where I talk Yanks, I talk Knicks. And, you know, we've been doing it for about a bit over a year, almost two years, actually. Wow. Right? Yeah, it's going to be two years in the summer. Holy shit. <laughs> so... If you're new and you haven't subscribed to the podcast, this podcast, BD4, be sure to do that right now. You can subscribe to the podcast. Also subscribe to my blog called It's My Opinion. Um, you can follow me on social media. All that information is on my website. Um, it's also, it's, it's all on my link tree. So, 
You guys know what Linktree is. Uh, just go to my Linktree, linktr slash rjcarbone, and that'll have all my information for you. Where to subscribe to the podcast. It'll be DeForces on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Anchor. You can watch us on YouTube if you're not doing that right now. You know, wherever you get your podcasts. And yeah, just go to Linktree. Uh, once again, my Linktree is linktr forward slash rjcarbone. My social media is on there, my blog, and along with the blog is this podcast. Where to subscribe to it and all the outlets for it. The many different feeds. Oh man. So, to backtrack, earlier today, uh, obviously the Yankees. So fun, so excited. First game of the spring, so their first spring training game. Very excited to, to start talking Yanks um, again in the blog. And once the regular season starts, we will go as usual, where we'll continue doing the nightly recaps in the blog, but we'll also post podcasts every series. Obviously, the Knicks and Yankees always have those, you know, we always get those, that overlap, you know, towards the end of the hoop season and the beginning of baseball season, we get that little bit of an overlap, but we make it work. We make it work. Sometimes we'll do a collab. Other times we'll just do separate episodes. But, yeah, they, they got started earlier today. Um, lost to Toronto. Uh, but it was cool. You know, it was fun to just see them back out there, man. You know, wearing the uh, the pinstripes, which they usually do. Uh, the first game of the spring. Then they go back to their normal spring training uniforms. The, uh, the navy blue. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was just awesome to, to see them play baseball again, to see Judge at the plate, to see Gleyber Torres, DJ LeMayhew, uh, Luke Voigt got some at-bats, Gary Sanchez DH'd, Clint Frazier, who's set to be getting the left field spot this season, Miggy Andohar fighting for a roster spot. Sad how, fall, how far he's fallen. Robinson Chirinos, forgot they had him, got some at-bats today, played catcher. Um, Michael King pitched <laughs> was pretty much who he's been so far as a Yankee. <laughs> Not the highest on him. It's just, I don't know. I hope he doesn't win that fifth spot because that means we've got problems. Um, but I'm wishing, I'm, I'm wishing him the best of luck. Um, but he struggled today with the, with the control. Uh, Adam Morton pitched today, his first game back with the Yankees. He had a stint earlier in his career. Uh, same with Nick Goody. I don't know if anyone remembers him. He's back. So yeah, we saw a lot of familiar faces, returning guys, yada yada. Uh, but the Yanks lost. Um, whatever, I'm just happy it's back. Tomorrow night, or no, tomorrow afternoon, as you're listening to this, this afternoon, 1 o'clock, they play the Blue Jays again. Or no, is it a different, it's probably a different team, but they play at 1 o'clock. Kay was in the booth. Uh, Cone was doing the game too. Or think they're in different spots, obviously, with COVID. But yeah, Cone said Cone was saying some pretty interesting things, and they were talking about having a having a crowd back. But he actually made some, a really good point. Usually, I'm not the biggest fan of Cone in the booth, just because he's with the analytics and shit. It's kind of frustrating to listen to. But oops, sorry, he was talking about how oops, sorry, I'm trying to get my chair. It's a snapping place here. Um, but Cone was, Cone was talking about how fucking, you know, there wasn't a crowd last year, obviously. This year, there is a crowd. But to start off, it's a small crowd. And with a small crowd, 
you know, with noise, you can still hear, because it's not too much people, you can still hear that one heckler. It's much easier to hear a heckler, and it comes out much clearer now in the smaller crowd. I thought that was very interesting, right? It's crazy. You know, people are, aren't afraid to heckle when there's a big you know, crowd of 30 plus thousand. I wonder how that's going to be. I wonder if we're going to get those jeers from fans now, knowing that it's going to be pretty easy to hear. You know, I was think it got me thinking, huh? But yeah, that was a good point that Cohen brought up. Um, I yeah, I don't have anything else to add. You know, I don't know if anybody else saw that uh, the UFC. Anybody else watch the MMA fights this weekend? I um I saw some of the prelims, but I was watching the Knicks, so I didn't get to see the main event. But I heard the uh, the main fight, the the uh, the main event between uh, what was it, Gaines and Rosenstruck. People were telling me that was a really bad fight. It was just boring. Nobody was hitting each other. They were afraid to get hit, and it just it was pretty dull. So I I I guess I'm happy I didn't miss miss much. But yeah, I'm really really excited for this upcoming. Um, card um, next Saturday with uh, fucking Adesanya coming back. That guy's excited to watch. He's fun. He's cocky. He's hilarious. He's and he's fucking good. He's great. He's he's one of the greater fighters in the game right now. He's so exciting. So I'm excited to see that. But um, I am just excited right now. It, it, sports are going well for me. The Yanks are back. The Knicks look like a competent ran franchise at the moment. Please pray and knock on wood. Um, so we're going to get to the Knicks. We'll talk about everything um, as soon as we get back from our first break here on BD4. Be right back. So really quick before we get back into the show, I do want to remind you that if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast or subscribed to my blog or followed me on social media even, you can do all that by going to my link tree. Just go to linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. That is linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. Guys, thanks so much. Let's get back to the show. Yeah, man. It's looking really fun. Um, so we go back to, let's see, Saturday, right? Yeah. We go back to Saturday. The Knicks take on the Indiana Pacers at home. Right, the third game with the crowd this year. And the Knicks really do a fun job in a very thrilling victory. Um, just a fantastically played game. Right, you had everything working. Really, every, it was just... So the Knicks take the victory. The Knicks take the 110 to 107 victory. This is the 34th game of the year, led by, once again, Julius Randle, 28 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, uh, 4 steals, you know, and just some fantastic, If you, it, it's the, it was the eye test defensively, just remarkable, sensational defense on fellow All-Star uh, DeMontes Sabonis. And you could tell Julius took that game personally. He just, he was fantastic defensively. He, he just, he took it personally. He was shutting down 
fake all-star reserve Sabonis, who I fucking hate, by the way. That guy's a whiny bitch who bitches and moans to his teammates. I, just, I, I don't like that. I just don't like the guy. Uh, but Julius, 28-10-6, four steals. RJ Barrett, great game. And, and expect it. He's the Reggie Miller of the Knicks when the Knicks play the Pacers. Uh, he goes for 24 points, seven rebounds, four for six, three-point shooting, and a team-leading plus 14 in the box. Derek Rose, double-double, 17, 11 assists, four steals. What can I say? He's been great since filling in as the starter. IQ, again, this is on Saturday night. Manuel Quickly against the Pacers. Manuel Quickly, 10 points on three for four, three-point shooting. Reggie Miller, three for... Uh, Reggie Bullock, 3 for 3, 3 point shooting, 9 points. Reggie was actually 3 for 3 tonight as well. He had, he had 2 games in a row? I think he was. I might be wrong. I have to check. I, I'm pretty sure he was. Um, great game. Knicks as a whole, 49% from the field, 50% from 3 point distance, 82% from the free throw stripe. They attempted 24 threes, attempted 22 free throw attempts. Um, they out-rebounded the, uh, beat the Pacers on the glass by nine or eight, 52 to 44. And they had 12 steals versus five steals. Knicks first Pacers there. So Knicks had them all across, you know. Uh, there was no Brogdon, no Malcolm Brogdon for, uh, Brogdon. No Malcolm Brogdon for uh, for Indiana. I think TJ McConnell got the start. TJ McConnell. And um, obviously for the Knicks, still no Mitch. He's going to be out a while. And um, still no Alfred. Uh, but it was an abysmal start. It actually didn't start out very pretty. The Knicks were very sluggish on both ends. Not really boxing out. RJ leaving his man wide open a number of times from three. Just playing so far off his guy. Late on his closeouts. Reggie Bullock didn't even look good defensively. That's supposed to be his thing. Uh, he was getting cooked by fucking uh, the, the the former Nick Dougie McBuckets, <laughs> Doug McDermott. You know, just just destroying him. Uh, eight points in the first quarter of his twenty on the game, just torching Bullock. The, on the other side, the Knicks were just not swinging the ball around. You know, Taj Gibson gets hurt. The second unit wasn't hot yet. Just on the verge of a blowout. It really didn't look pretty. Pacers were hitting everything. They were taking advantage of the Knicks. Uh, and they had the 46-30 to 30 lead about midway through the second quarter. Okay, so a 16-point deficit for the Knicks to crawl back from. But then you get, you know, the angry Tibbs timeout. And here we go. The Knicks just get ridiculously hot. And they go on an incredible 24-6 run to end the first half. RJ hits a pair of three-pointers towards the end of the period. Randall gets a dunk on a give-and-go. D-Rose hits a 30-foot pull-up at the buzzer to put the Knicks up 54-52, entering intermission. <laughs> Third quarter comes, and much like the first quarter, Knicks, they're slow out of the gate. RJ, and especially Julius, didn't really look aggressive. Julius was very passive, not looking to score. Passed up an open shot, not really looking at the rim sometimes. Didn't look like they were ready. Indiana. On the other hand, took advantage of that stagnant, slow offense at the time, and they were playing fast. They were getting all these long rebounds, they were running the break, and the Knicks had trouble stopping them. Towards the end of the third, the Knicks kind of find it. They go on a 17-10 moderate run to wrap up the period, um, and Rose, Randall, and RJ combined to score those 17 points. 
fourth quarter comes, and that's that's just where the Knicks just get clutch, right? You have RJ leading the Knicks on that eleven nothing run, uh, scores the first six points of that run, you know, with the three ball, then gets the n one in traffic where he converts, you know, brings the Knicks down from from down five, you know, all the way down to one at the time or up one after those couple of baskets he hit. Then he kicks one to Randall for three. Randall hits that three. Then RJ hits a tough layup again in traffic. This puts the Knicks up 102-98. Pacers make a bit of a comeback. You know, we get a classic Knicks collapse is what it looks like at the time, giving every fan a, a fucking stroke. Sabonis hits that three off the glass from center arc. Then RJ misses those two crucial free throws to give the Pacers the ball back. You know, down two points with under 15 seconds left. Pacers have a chance to at least tie it because of RJ. And that's the, that's the Cardinal sin. You cannot do that. Can't miss two free throws in a game tying possession like that. In a game uh, deciding possession like that. Very, very unfortunate it happened. But, you know, he, he kind of got bailed out there. Um, some incredible defense. You know, Rose forces the turnover. But Frank, Frank tracks the ball down. Grabs it, picks up the steal. He runs the break. Could have slammed it down. Some people were questioning why didn't he throw one down there. Um, but you know, he's trying to milk the clock. and he, I think he did the smarter decision here. Killed time off the clock, got hacked, and he sealed the deal with the pair of free throws. So RJ's two missed free throws did not come back to hurt him. And the Knicks pick up the victory. Just a brilliant performance for the Bockers. You know, Frank, again, just... just playing good. He knew his role. He knew his role and that's what he does. He knows his role and he executes it. And came in the game for defensively and did an exceptional exceptional job. Um, it's just, just a great game. Randall. Fantastic defensively. One sec here. Just trying to pull up my uh, notes. One second. Okay, here we are. Yeah, um, yeah like I said, Randall was Fantastic defensively that game. Just like I said, he you know took it personal against Sabonis and just really shut him down. You know, he shut Sabonis that Sabonis is a guy who averages what, 22, 12, and six similar numbers to Randall on the year, but he only had 15 points, nine rebounds, and seven assists. He really Randall locked him down. And, you know, he he he's become such a leader. And we're gonna get to him after we talk about, you know, uh the second game of this um episode. So I really liked a lot of things about that game. I did. Thought the Knicks played really good basketball. Um, the only thing I didn't love was, is again, <sighs> oh, I'm sorry. This was the game where Reggie wasn't three for three. Okay. So I had on my notes, he was three for three. He was three for three tonight. Yeah. This was a game where Reggie was pretty useless actually. And that's going to get to what I want to say. How, how fucking I didn't love how you know, he was just another poor outing from him offensively. And again, defensively getting torched by McDermott. You can't get torched by fucking Doug McDermott. And he still got 27 minutes. Which was more than both Quickly and Frank Nilakina combined, who were both really playing well that game. Three more minutes than those two combined, despite playing really bad and then playing really good. I thought that was very unacceptable. And he checked in the fourth quarter before RJ came back in, who, again, was the second best Nick on the team last night. It was, it's just weird, man. It, 
I, I didn't love it. But, you know, all in all, Tibbs has been great. He's turned these guys around to, to become more of a winning product. And the Knicks got another win. So they get back to 500 on the year with that win against the Pacers. And so then we get to this this game. This was a, a blowout. It became a blowout here against the Pistons tonight on Sunday night. Game 35 of the year. Knicks, you know, coming, it looked like it would have been a trap game. It looked like it was really going to be a trap game. I think a lot of people were expecting the Knicks to lose this one. Um, I was. I wasn't expecting them to, to, I wasn't expecting a fucking 20-point blowout, whatever it was, 19-point blowout. But here we are. You know, it was you know, Knicks traveling from New York to Detroit, Michigan for a back-to-back after a whole number of guys played over 35 minutes. Noel, 40 minutes. Randall, 40 minutes. Rose, just shy of 40 minutes. Not many fresh legs. Short at the center position with Taj still down. Rose, it just, I was expecting, you know, a more lackadaisical, gassed Knicks team. But... Here we fucking were. The Knicks, the Knicks came out and they did their job. They got another victory and another big one. Now they're 18 and 17. Six and two without Mitchell Robinson. That just goes to show guys are stepping up and Noel has been tremendous. 40 more minutes tonight. Just doing an exceptional job without Mitch. Um, eight points, 11 boards tonight, three steals and three blocks. Um, he was just outstanding. Did an astounding job both at the rim and in the lane tonight. Just stifling defense. Stifling. Stifling? Yeah. Julius, though, led the team again in points. 25 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 steals, a block, and leading with a plus 21. And again, great defense. This guy's impact on winning is so fucking... The turnaround, man. And we're going to get to him a little more in a bit. R.J. Barrett, another good night, another 20-plus point night. He had 21, 8 for 13 shooting, 2 for 4 from 3-point distance, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, also a steal and a block. Rose, solid, 14 points, 5 assists, 2 for 3 from 3-point distance, has been shooting the 3 well since becoming a Nick. Manual quickly. Hot once again, goes for 12 points in 16 minutes. 16 minutes. I, um, Burks, pick it up where he left off the other night. <laughs> Started out hot. Um, you know, helped put the game away at the top of the fourth quarter. You know, 16 points. 7 for 13. Hits a couple of threes. Another good night for him. Knicks as a unit, 51% from the floor, 50% from three again, and 80% at the line. Seven blocks and an impressive 23 assists versus 12 total turnovers. Again, though, this one started out very ugly. That first half, but it was both teams. You know, the Pistons couldn't hit a shot if their lives depended on it. They couldn't, you know, throw a beach ball into the ocean. I mean, they were off and we kind of got lucky how bad they were. But, you know, for the Knicks... They were up 48-37 and a half. 
Um, and you can think timely three-point shooting and exceptional defense, again, from Noel to kind of keep them afloat in that first half. But they were even off 37% in the first half. And then they finished 51 because, you know, there was a point in the second half where Breen was reading a stat. Um, the Knicks were 80% at one point in the second half. Uh, but, yeah. Third quarter comes, and the Knicks get hot. They drop 35 points, uh, 19 from RJ and Julius combined. You know, Barrett gets a smooth pull-up J to put the Knicks up 19 points with like 3 minutes and 20-something left. Then RJ lobs one to Noel to give the Knicks the largest lead with about 2.5 left, up 23. Fourth quarter comes, and the Knicks just kind of put the icing on the cake. You know, Burks hits a few shots at the top of the quarter. Quickly gets hot, doing his microwave shit, hitting threes. Got a couple uh, floaters to go in. And they pick up the victory. Um, but again, I take this game, it's just another another really good all-around team win. Everybody's playing so well. So happy that everybody's playing so well. It's just, this team has so much cohesiveness right now. They have great chemistry. They like each other. They're having fun. And I'm just really fucking impressed. R.J. Barrett is so impressive right now, man. You know, he's had a consistent season. But it's like whenever he goes through these, like, three-game slumps. Three games. It's serious. That's all it is sometimes. Any ordinary rough patch that anybody else would go on, fans get so reactionary. Oh, he's been so inconsistent. Oh, the Knicks need a true number two option. Oh, he should be sent to Westchester. I saw that on Twitter. He should be sent to the G League. Always a bust. We see that shit. Every time he has like a couple of bad games, it's like this dude can never have an off night. But you look at his game log, you watch this team, he's been consistent for the Knicks. He's been pretty consistent. Very consistent in my opinion. Especially from three-point distance. He's got his three-point percentage, guys, up to 35%. 35! That's, that's normal, you know? That's no longer pathetic. He was, remember that stretch earlier in the year? What, he missed 19 or 21 in a row or something like that? He was down to 18%. He's got it up to 35% because he's shooting just under 50% from three in his last 23 games. I mean, he looks so comfortable. It's the same spots, too. Right? In the corner, kind of near the uh, the wing three. That's where he's been getting them to fall. The catch-and-shoot threes near the corner. And he's hitting every one of them. He's so he's so comfortable. He looks so you know, cozy in that pocket. He's really doing a nice job from the corner on the catch and shoot. And his chemistry this year with Julius, man. You know, last year they were very clunky together. They didn't fit. It didn't work. But because both of them have taken major steps, the chemistry, they look so smooth together. It's crazy. All, uh, what's it called? Uh, his field goal percentage, RJ Barrett, is also a forty-four percent uh, on the air. So that's that's you know respectable at least as well. You're starting to see the product being more polished as we go along here. I fucking love it. And you know it's it's really his patience I think that I'm most impressed with. You know he's not rushing. You can see. You know, not just how comfortable he is off the ball catching and shooting, but when he has the ball in his hands and he's just using the pick and roll, he utilizes those screens so well. Right? He has so much patience. He will wait 
until the defender catches up. Then he'll go. Then he'll go. He will barrel his way to the hoop, and then he'll throw up some tough shots. He'll make. He's making all these runners right now, just hit, converting on these tough shots in traffic. Left-handed layups. He's made some right-handed shots at the rim lately. Some man ones. He's doing a really, really good job mixing it up. He's obviously a great player in transition. We know that. Really good. Really good. So RJ has been fantastic. And this Knicks team on this three-game win streak has looked so good. And in the common denominator, I think for the first time tonight, it's taken me about 32 and a half minutes to finally mention Alfred Payton's name. <laughs> Give me credit. But yeah, that's the common denominator here. I'm sorry. I'm not to, not to keep hating on the guy. I'm sure he's a nice dude, blah, blah, blah. But I much rather I would much rather have Alfred Payton in street clothes, clapping his hands, letting the real talent do the work, as opposed to him being the one starting every night. Because the, the addition of Derrick Rose... Has not only been great on his part, but it's helped Emmanuel quickly expand his game. RJ Barrett. And he's got good chemistry. Rose does with Taj Noel. And his pick and pop game with Julius Randle is so fucking smooth. He is so comfortable, Randle, in that pick and pop in the mid-range area. So comfortable. So the addition of Rose just has the Knicks playing so much smoother. The ball is moving. They're playing at a high tempo pace. The spacing has helped them. I never want to see Alfred Payton play another minute for this team again. And his his you know sympathizers sympathizers his sympathizers, which represent what like zero point one percent of the Nick fan base, are scraping at the bottom of the barrel here. If they were to make any more excuses, I don't know what you could say at this point. There's nothing else to say on that. He just. It needs to be the way it is right now. Um, he's helping everybody play really good, you know. And what else is there to say about IQ? The guy's been so good. Obviously, you want him to get more minutes. He keeps playing well, and he keeps and he keeps getting these, you know, abruptly shortened games. Like he, he just gets pulled late in the game. Two games in a row now, maybe three. He plays really good in the fourth, and he gets pulled. Last three nights, 25 points. Three games ago, he had 25 points, just 20 minutes. Saturday, 10 points in 13 minutes. Tonight, 12 points in 16 minutes. Why? Why? I know he's a microwave scorer, but he can get a little more than you know minutes in the teens. Can we have this guy play 25 to 30 just a couple of nights in a row and see what's up? You know, especially, like I said, with Rose getting a heavy workload lately, wouldn't hurt to shave a couple off of him. Bullock being the up-and-down guy he is. Burke's a bit inconsistent, too. There are times, there are windows, where you could really, really give Emmanuel quickly some run. Especially considering you have R.J. Barrett, who's capable of playing the three, and I think he is a three. You know, he's a wing. He's a wing. He's a tweener. He can play the two or the three. There are really there there is no excuse to have Emmanuel quickly not get twenty five plus minutes. Especially with how well he's been playing. Guy didn't have a field goal tonight until the fourth quarter. Still finished with twelve points. 
just so good. Um, Frank is finally back in the rotation. Tonight he was piss poor on offense. He didn't do shit. Uh, it's kind of sucky against a really bad piston squad how he did nothing. Um, but it's still nice to see him get some minutes in the rotation. He's not getting a lot of time right now, but I really want him to be part of this rotation. I still, listen, I'm not, I know, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not part of Frank's cult. I know he's got that cult-like following. People think he's going to be the next Tony Parker, right? I'm not that guy, okay? I once was, like, when he first got drafted, I was giving him all types of high praise and comps. But I'm not going to call him a bust and say he's completely useless. I still think there is a spot for Frank Milikina to be a rotation regular. You know, when you look at the way he plays, he, it's funny because I'm about to use a term that I was just calling overused earlier on Twitter today. Um, the whole Swiss Army Knife thing. I think that's very often overused to like cop out mediocre players. And just throw that term at them. But I really think Frank Villaquina could be a Swiss Army Knife type of guy. He obviously plays defense, right? That's why he gets any minutes at all right now. Because he's playing amazing defense. And he's the Knicks best defender on the wing at least. Um, you know, Great on-ball defender. Great off the ball. Provides so much intangibles. Um, makes winning plays defensively. Um, and you look at the offensive end. He doesn't do much. But the shot isn't broken. Right, the shot doesn't look broken. It's a fluid motion, and he has improved his three-point shooting this season. He's shooting a decent percentage this year. So if he can eventually keep that consistency offensively, doesn't have to be a guy who scores you a ton of points, but just hit the timely shots and play the defense that he's playing. Why can't he be a rotational, you know, three and D wing? You know, I'm not saying he's going to be anything special. Come off the bench, give you seven to ten points. A night, you know, that's that's easily done by hitting a pair of threes and a free throw or two and play the defense he's doing. Let's just see. I would give him, keep giving him minutes. You know, I would, because what's the hurt, right? Why would you want to put Alfred Payton out there along with IQ and Rose when he gets back? Why wouldn't you just want to go IQ, Rose, and Frank? Frank is 20-something-year-old kid who, you know, there's something there, right? There, Will he get it is a different question, but there is a ceiling there. With Elford, he's already hit his ceiling. We know who he is. He's been the same player his entire career. Everybody knows, you know, if you do your homework, you know he's the player he is and he's never going to change. It's not like he's some guy who is supposed to be, you know, he, he is who he is. I, I just, just, I would keep doing what we're doing here. You know? I would keep doing what we're doing. And he's playing the two right now, and I like that. So I think he's, he's, We'll see though, because I really don't know. I, I you know, you can you can look at it and say that the Knicks are really low on him, and the only reason he's playing is because EP is not. So maybe he does get traded at the deadline, and this is all for nothing. But I don't know, man. Maybe he can bounce back tomorrow night and have a good game, like he did the two games previous, and changes you know the organization's mind. Who fucking knows? I don't know, man. I, I, I'm for it. I root for my players. Especially the youth. Um, Randall, again, Randall has been fantastic of lately. Tonight he surpassed his, uh, his he actually surpassed his three-point total. Uh, he, he, he has more, he now has more three-pointers made this year than he did all of last year. 35 games in, he has more threes than he made um, 
across all what was it, 66 games last year. He's made 66 three-pointers this year versus the 64 he made all of last season. Fucking remarkable. You know, Breen was saying something on the broadcast tonight. Fucking, um, about how Kobe Bryant, back when Randall was playing for the Lakers, and, you know, maybe his rookie year, Kobe Bryant said how Randall is a Lamar Odom in Zach Randolph's body. And I fucking love that. It's the first time I heard that. I've heard the Zach Randolph comparison before, but I've never heard from the exact Kobe quote saying he is Zach Randolph or he is Lamar Odom and Zach Randolph's body. I love that. I can definitely see that. Yeah. I just thought that was really, really cool. Great comparison. And there's an article about it too. Apparently. But he's been fantastic, man. He's making less... I think he's... I saw something... Uh, he's making 10 million less than KP is. <laughs> hey, the Mavs got to start losing again. KP needs to get back and continue to give up points in the defensive end and, and, and really look bad so we can get that um, lottery pick from them. They have to start tanking again. <laughs> it's crazy, though. We're, we are usually looking at tankathon.com right now, Knicks fans. 35 games in, we're looking at tankathon.com. Now we're looking at the fucking NBA standings. The normal standings, not the tankings. It's crazy, dude. But, you know, we are so fortunate that Randall is under contract until next year. So we don't have to make this whole decision right now. Um, but I do want to talk a bit about, you know, his future. Just a bit. Not too much. When we get back. BRB. Yeah, do we throw him the max, right? Do we throw Julius Randle the max contract eventually? <laughs> so he's he's obviously under contract this year. Uh, and the next season we have to decide, after the season we have to decide this winter or this summer, are we going to pick up the option? And probably, you know, let's be real, we, we, we likely are, right? And we're obviously, we're going to keep, I'm thinking, you know, the Knicks are going to keep him at the deadline, right? Leon Rose is probably not going to do anything here um, in terms of moving Julius. All right, so considering they keep him at the deadline, and if he finishes the year doing the same thing he's doing right now, playing winning basketball, and the Knicks pick up the option as they're expected to, and Julius continues doing the same thing next year, or something similar, then, you know, it's do you extend him? At some point next season, do you throw him the max? Right? What is the max? I don't know. Maybe $90 million across three years. That's like a 30 annual value. Maybe it's, you know, maybe you ask him to shave a bit off the top. Or maybe you have to go longer, a little less AAV. You know, four years, 110. That's like 27 and a half. You know, something like that. Listen, man, listen, I was totally against the guy last year. I wanted him fucking traded, so I don't have much legs to stand on. But I have to say, the way he's played, and again, considering he keeps it up this year and he keeps it up to start the season next year, but the way he's played, he's fucking putting up numbers that only Larry Bird has done. Do you understand that? 
He's putting up numbers that nobody else in NBA history has done except Larry Bird for one season. 2010-5 on 40% three-point. And his slash is almost 50-40-80. It's like 49-40-80. Crazy. Crazy. So, I'm going to say it. I think you have to. I think the Knicks have to. I think you have to throw him the bag. And listen, you're going to throw him the bag at age 20. So, so you give him to that, what? You get him for fucking, say, three or four years. You have him from age 27 to age 30 tops. That's fucking fine. That's is that's that's an NBA player's absolute peak right there. That's their peak. That is where you, that's when you want to throw somebody the bag. South of thirty years old, late twenties. That's when they're going to get their best production. That's when they are going to give you their best. You know. So a lot of people may not want to go over that twenty-five million mark annually. But if you look at it this way, and you look at the free agent classes coming up, not just this offseason, but next offseason too, it's not much. It's pretty shallow. You know, outside of Kawhi, who's probably going to end up either staying there or going to somewhere in L.A., Lakers. <laughs> you know, who knows? But I don't think he's coming to New York. I don't think anybody thinks that. So it's a pretty quiet free agent class this offseason and next offseason, I think. When Randall hits the market, if Randall hits the market, you know, if you don't throw him that extension and Randall's hitting the market, GMs are going to offer him the max. There are going to be at least one or two GMs. All it takes is one to throw him that max contract. Okay, so whether or not you think he's worth it right now, there's going to be a GM who throws him that. So the Knicks are in a position to where they can't really ask themselves or they can't really think about too much whether or not he's going to be worth it. They have to think about whether or not he's worth losing, right? What is your plan if you lose Randall? You know, just, just if they get out, if they lose Randall being cheap, put that in quotations, it's scary. You know, you have to also think about that. And again, I think there is, there are GMs who will throw him the max. And I really don't think it's that crazy. The guy is putting up Larry Bird numbers. You know, if Drummond's getting the amount of money he is, if Kevin Love is making that much, if fucking Tim Hardaway Jr. got a ridiculous contract, I know it was Steve Mills, but they're, they're fucking Gordon Hayward, $30 million a year from, from Charlotte right now. I mean, it only takes one GM to make an enticing offer. So if those guys are making that bank, why the fuck not for Randall? There are going to be offers out there that blow him off the table. So the Knicks, I think they are forced to, to give him the max. They're going to be forced. And you know what? Honestly, I, 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 if it's 35 to fucking 40 million, it's going to be a lot. It's going to hurt. It's going to sting. It's going to be all that. But I think you consider it what he's doing again, 23, 12 and six, whatever it is on 50, 40, 80 splits. He's learned defense. He's brought the Knicks from a 20 win laughing stock to a goddamn playoff contender. Currently the fourth fucking seed. I think you have to, if he keeps this up, have to. Throw the guy a fucking max. Hey. <laughs> Just think about it. Alright? But again, we are fortunate to where we are not in this position at the moment. We can at least keep going the way we are and just talk about how 
lovely this season has been for the Knicks. Right? We don't have to be there yet. We don't have to jump too far ahead. I just always like playing that game. Uh, but the New York Knicks, man, they're playing excellent basketball. Again, Tom Thibodeau has them playing extremely hard on the defensive end. And lately, without you-know-who, uh, the Knicks are playing really good offensively. And that's been their you know biggest weakness this season, um, has been their offense when you-know-who is on the floor. But without you-know-who, you've got the Knicks playing modern basketball. We're seeing an NBA, an NBA offense. They are running a credible modern NBA offense right now. The ball is swinging. Threes are shooting. We're having these 50% games from the floor from three-point distance. We're hitting free throws. We're playing defense. The pace is that we're getting so many more possessions in because we have guys who run fast, play fast. There's no, you know, Peyton's a half-court point guard who can't shoot. What use is that? Rose plays fast, quickly plays fast, quickly shoots threes. Rose, excellent slasher, forces the defense to crash. And he'll finish it with an acrobatic layup or he'll kick it out. And he's got a pretty credible mid-range jumper too. And again, he's shooting three so far well, pretty well with the Knicks. These guys are doing really good the way they have it. I love this current rotation. These we, these 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 fucking games. The last couple of nights, this rotation has been amazing. I love this team. Keep sleeping on the Knicks. Keep doing it. Go ahead. You know, I was watching. Um, I don't know if anybody knows. I'm sure everybody. This fucking guy is huge by now. CP, who runs Knicks fans TV. Knicks fan TV. He has his own you know live stream. He's got tons of people listening after the game and calling in. Um, I called him once last year. I tried to call on again this year, but th he's gotten so big where it's impossible to get through. But this guy's incredible, and I'm sure everybody knows who he is. Whoever's listening probably knows. Um, but some dude called in, and the guy was fucking saying how he was watching ESPN earlier this week. Earlier this week. Watching ESPN, and it was Jay Williams. Is that his name? The, the, the ball dude. Yeah. Yeah. I like I, I thought I like I don't know. I, I don't watch ESPN, but tune in here and there. And he's, you know. But, you know, fucking I don't watch ESPN for a reason. And this is why. The dude who called in was saying that ESPN's Jay Williams was talking about how the Knicks are playing really well. And, you know, despite Dennis Smith Jr. being in the G League, Austin Rivers is really contributing right now. And I thought that was the perfect epitome of, of big media. You know, Dennis Smith Jr. is in fucking Detroit at the moment. We just played him. Austin Rivers hasn't contributed since fucking Lord knows how long. Two games against Utah, which were long ago. But that just goes to show you. Big media like ESPN and all these big giant sport networks on TV. They don't know shit, man. They don't know shit. They don't do their homework. They follow popular narrative and they go talk about the Nets because they're the only people who talk about the Nets. Let's be real. They don't have fans. It just, it's, it's, they never talk about the Knicks. And the one time they do, you can tell that they don't know anything about the Knicks talking about fucking Austin Rivers and Dennis Smith Jr. Saying two false things about them. One of them is not even fucking here. The other guy, his name never even contributed. 
in months, weeks. I just thought that was hilarious. He called in and he said that, and I was not surprised. I was not surprised at all, because that's who ESPN is. And that's why I don't fucking watch ESPN. When I get my information about sports, I go to podcasts, I go to these live streams, I read articles, like fan-made, you know, fans. Shit by the fans. I don't watch these journalists and the reporters on TV who know nothing but the popular shit and the behind the scenes. They don't know the behind the scenes on the Knicks. They don't know fucking anything. They just follow popular narrative, the LOL Knicks notion, and that's all they fucking run with. And so I thought that was hilarious. I, I don't follow that shit. No, I follow the shit I read and, and listen to is, is all fan-driven. It's all fans because fans are the ones who know. Knicks fans are the most passionate, knowledgeable fans around. They, they know what they're talking about, especially... You know, guys like Knicks Fan TV, CP, those guys are fucking awesome. God, all these fucking podcasts and outlets and uh, you, these these blogs that I read and listen to, fans who are part of the 82 Game Club, guys who actually watch this team, that's where I get my information. You know, that is where I watch and listen to uh, the Knicks and stuff and read about them. Not ESPN. So I thought that was absolutely fucking hilarious how they were talking about Austin Rivers and Dennis Smith Jr. <laughs> it, it was just like, oh, yeah, typical ESPN. Don't do their homework. <laughs> All right, so we're going to head to break, and when we get back, we might as well wrap this one up. Uh, we're about 53 minutes in, so let's get to the question of the day. But first, we're going to head to break one last time. BRB. Hey, fellas. So really quick, before we get back into the show, I do want to remind you that if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast or subscribed to my blog or followed me on social media, even, you can do all that by going to my link tree. Just go to linktr.ee slash RJ Carbone. That is linktr.ee slash RJ Carbone. Guys, thanks so much. Let's get back to the show. So, last time out in episode 216, our NYYNYK question of the day. How many Knicks have their number retired? That was our question. How many Knicks have their number retired? The answer to that question is nine. Nine Knicks have their number retired. This episode, our NYYNYK question of the day. 217 sponsored by Anchor. Drum roll, please. Let's get that game show music going again. Our NYY MYK question of the day for this episode. Emmanuel quickly has a shot to make the all-rookie first team. Who was the last Nick to reach that feat and when? Hint, it was not Mitchell Robinson because he made the second all-rookie team. But who was the last Nick to make the first all-rookie team and when. All right, so message me the answer either on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or you can comment the answer once I publish one of the promos and the link to this podcast episode. This is episode 217 of the podcast. I am your host, RJ Carbone. Hope you enjoyed this episode of BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis 
Um, thank you for listening. I really appreciate you tuning in, all two of you. Um, and if you like this episode, if you're watching it on YouTube, I want to ask you, if you like this episode and you're watching it on YouTube, please give it a like so this can get out there more. I know we don't get shit. We don't get check shit. And maybe we don't deserve to get any followers because we're really bad. This is not a good show. <laughs> I don't think this is a very good podcast that I do. But hey, um, I'm going to ask you anyway, just please give it a like and subscribe to us on YouTube if you haven't yet. Um, and as for the other platforms, please subscribe to us on the other platforms yet if you're like listening to us. So please, please, please do that for us. Thank you so much. Um, and yeah, that's all we've got. I am your host. One last time, I'm your host, RJ Carbone, with episode 217 of BD4. I will see you in the blog, which should be out in a few hours. By the time you're listening to this, it'll be out in the morning. But as you're listening to this, it's at least Monday morning. Um, so I'll see you in the next blog, recapping game 35. And I'll also see you in the Yankees blog, recapping the afternoon game that they're about to play. So guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, and I'll see you. I'll see you then. All right, guys. Ciao. This podcast is sponsored by Anchor.